0: Uh, as part of disciples of growing and going, where last six weeks we've identified some characteristics uh, that are essential uh, in that journey that we have as a disciple of God. Things that we need to have in place uh, to live a life that pleases Him and honours Him. Uh, we talked about uh, initially about serving humbly, having a genuine care and compassion for people, not acting out of duty, but actually caring for others around us and serving them because of that. We looked at the example that Jesus gave to us as he watched the disciples' feet and that sort of humble servant heart. Uh, We talked about how we should have a compassionate attitude to the poor and not necessarily those who are materially poor, or that's certainly part of the gospel, but that we would have compassion towards those who are spiritually bankrupt. And uh, you know, rather than judging people or putting them down or criticising them and saying, you know, you should do better or this or that, we genuinely have a compassion for those who are spiritually poor or spiritually bankrupt. And last week we looked at gifts, that God's given us This gifts and ability and how we are able to use them in the church and how we have a responsibility to seek God and to find what our gift is so that we can be a part of of God's team uh, in his kingdom. And so we conclude that six-week series today and uh, we're going to consider another aspect of our calling as a disciple and that is that we are called to be generous givers, Now I thank you for being here, either you didn't read the newsletter to see what we were going to be speaking about today uh, or you still willingly came and uh, so maybe in future you will read that newsletter, (laughs) who knows. But today we're going to be looking at and the the topic or the, the, the context of the passage is certainly around money but I think in Christian service sometimes money's the easy thing to do. It can be for some people. And the serving or tithing of our time or our talents or our abilities uh, is something that needs to be included. So yes, the passage Paul is going, we're going to look at is about money specifically, but it's far broader than that. And we need to look at how we use our time, how we invest that and the talents that we have. Now, these are sensitive issues because they are matters of the heart. Uh, And so when we talk about investing our time and our money uh, into other people, uh, when we're thinking about being generous, when we're thinking about sharing what we have, uh, there's some little buttons that can sort of easily go off. Uh, And so there's a sense there where it has to start at the heart. Um, these are heart issues. What comes, Our actions come out what is in our heart and there's a lot to consider. We live in a busy world and there's a lot of time pressure on everyone. Uh, at times financially the pressure can be great on anyone at a certain time and so you know we need to still provide for our family we need to plan and be wise with our finances and and it's perfectly okay that the resources that we have can be a means of serving our own purposes And, and so all of the time we're faced with this challenge of balance Uh, how much time do I give, how much money do I give, how do I use my talents uh, for God's kingdom uh, rather than just keeping them to myself. Uh, The passage, the context of the passage is that there is a severe famine in Jerusalem and uh, Paul lets the church at Corinth know about this And they have this overwhelming sense, hey, we want to help. We want to take up an offering. We want to be a part of this. We want to give and give generously to help these people who are in famine. And in Paul's travels, uh, he also hears, or the church at Macedonia hears, that the church at Corinth is going to do this wonderful thing and be generous and take up this offering to serve the needs of others. But that's when the problems start. (laughs) Because the church at Macedonia not only say they want to be a part of the offering, but they actually take one up. <laughs> and Corinth, who are sort of the ones who were the leaders in this and who got them to come on board, they talked about it, but they haven't done anything about it. <laughs> and uh, that's the context of this passage as Paul writes. And it's interesting that I-, I appreciate the way that Paul writes a letter, because behind Paul's thinking is whatever you guys do, Uh, I don't want you to do this because it's forced. It has to be a love gift. So rather than rocking up at the door and knocking and saying, hey guys, why don't you fulfil your promise, he sends a letter. And as we read the letter, we see that there's a couple of attitudes and themes that come through that I think are important and, and I think will help us as we consider this idea of how we use our time, how we use our money, how we use our talents Uh, to serve God. And it is a difficult thing to work out and so I pray that God's Spirit will just give an openness to that. One of the things about being a generous giver is that there's an emphasis on how we give, not just how much we give. So it's the attitude of which we serve or give our time or we give our money. And Paul says here, we have to give willingly and freely. It's not just about how much we do or how much we give, but it has to do with our attitude, why we give. And um, I can share with you that I I would not be in a place of being generous if it was left just to me. (laughs) My selfishness would take over. Uh, I don't have the capacity within my own thinking to overcome my selfishness. And so uh, to be a generous giver is not something that I'm able to do myself. But when we understand what God has done for us, then we have an opportunity to consider how we have been blessed and how we might bless others. And without that, without that understanding of how we've been blessed, it is almost impossible for us to serve or to give. Or we might serve and give... But whatever we do, we may not be as willingly and freely as what Paul is talking about here. So if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this is Paul's letter to them. But I'm going to go to verse 14 and 15. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And so Paul acknowledges that when these people receive this offering, they're going to have nice, warm and encouraging feelings for those that have given. But he also gives us an insight to where our motives come from. Uh, This is a matter of the heart and it starts with the heart and how we develop motive and desire to give to other people comes from the fact of the way that we have been blessed in Jesus, this indescribable gift. So, the only way that is possible for me to give willingly and joyfully with sincerity is for me to understand how much I have been blessed with Jesus, how much I have been given because of Jesus. And I think the reverse is also true. If we're not able to give generously, then we have lost sight of what God has done for us, we have overlooked the way that we've been blessed. And if we do forget what has been done for us, how we've been blessed, then we can start justifying our argument. You know, this is mine, I don't want to share. (laughs) Or this is mine, I have needs. Or this is mine, I have plans for how I might live my life. And so this gift of Jesus is central. This is what we've got to build upon. This is what makes a difference. I don't have the capacity to give generously, Willingly and cheerfully, without my eyes being open to the fact of how much I've been blessed through Jesus, what a pos- the position I'm in. <laughs> because when selfishness takes over, I don't see the needs of others. Uh, when selfishness takes over, I forget what has been given to me, and so we operate at a time when we are just selfish and self-centered. Uh, I can remember a story when I was about seven or eight years old And that's a few years ago, so it's obviously stuck But somehow I can't remember whether I earned it or whatever but, Or I was given a gift But I lived at Harvey Bay and we had a little uh, movie theatre A little small place down on the water and, and I had enough money to go to the movies I can't remember how it came, I, I don't think I worked for it <laughs> Probably not, but I think it was a gift But I had enough money to go to the movies, and not only that, but I had enough money to splurge at the, well, the canteen or whatever you call it. Not only could I watch this movie, but I'd have an ice cream and a drink and lollies and chips the whole, I I could really have a time out. I had an older brother, and my older brother came to me and said, "Oh, can I come to the movies with you? I said, no. (laughs) No, you can't. Uh, and and I think mum was very wise but mum was trying to teach me a lesson and she said I tell you what if you take your brother I'll give you some extra money but she was wise enough to know that this was the decision I had that I had enough money to go to the movies and take my brother but I didn't have enough money to go and take my brother and have a great time with the food and the drink and the lollies and the chips so I said no and mum was very wise. She didn't say much, but she must have known something was going on because um, th- this is the point that I want to get to. I'm sitting in the movies, eating chips and lolly and drinking drinks, miserable. It's over 50 years ago, but I can remember how miserable I felt. I couldn't enjoy what I thought would bring me pleasure because I denied the opportunity of being generous and giving to my brother. And this is the heart of it. This is the heart matter. At some point when it comes to how much we serve or how much we give or how much we use our talents for others and for God's kingdom, we need to understand this is a matter of the heart and how we live lives that are content and fulfilled and satisfied and how different it is from what the world says. Because when a selfish heart takes over, we don't see the needs of other people. But when a selfish heart takes over, we, we don't have the ability to move out of living a miserable life because we're not prepared to give to others. And when we consider this indescribable gift of Jesus, his love and his mercy and his grace, when we think about this potential that we have to overcome this selfishness that robs us of life and creates misery... <laughs> we need to think about the starting point for us all is what has been done for me? What has been gifted to me? How am I blessed? And that just starts to soften the heart a little bit that we might consider what God is saying to us when he speaks to us about giving to others. But the other thing we need to realise is that the blessing is ongoing, So it's not just the blessing that we receive initially of Jesus in new life, but God continues to bless us as we give generously. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad the gifts to his poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So, Paul wants us to think about a number of things here, but when we give generously, we will indeed be blessed as we give to others we will receive blessing generous giving if you want to sum it up is the people in need are blessed God is blessed his name's lifted up and we're blessed and Paul is giving an insight here into how this works firstly he says we'll have all that we need There's this promise. If we are generous givers, we will have all that we need. We don't have to worry and panic that our needs won't be met. But the other thing he says here, you'll keep being generous. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. This is not some weak, inconsistent statement. But this is a statement of faith that you'll be made rich in every way. Why? You'll be made rich so that you can be generous to others So that you can generous in your giving. I've endeavored to be faithful in tithing to God for many years. Uh, I cannot boast because I haven't always been as generous as I could have been, and I cannot boast because I haven't always been as joyful as I could have been. So I have no reason to boast. Yet I can boast in this, you cannot, you can never outgive God. And I'm not suggesting in any way um, that we give or I expect to get back 10 times or 100 times over. In fact, I think we disqualify ourselves from any blessing whenever we give with a view of, oh, I'm going to get back. Our heart has to be pure. The only way we can be blessed is to give because we want to give without thinking about what's going to come back to us. So I can testify over many years that Kath and I have enjoyed many, many blessings, many financial windfalls, uh, things that are unexpected that God has just blessed us with. Uh, some years ago we were investing in houses and uh, doing various things and I can remember this particular time where we had our heart set on a piece of land that we're going to build a house on. Uh, And for some reason, the doors just kept closing and closing and we couldn't sort of figure it out. And then out of the blue, totally out of the blue, this block of land wasn't even advertised, wasn't even on the market, wasn't even anything. It just came to, just one of those things, right time, right place. (laughs) And and I can just share with you, looking back in the comparison, that this this was a far more fruitful blessing than what we had hoped to do. (laughs) But there's one thing that we're perfect aware and, and there's a lot of detail but Kath and I were convinced that this was simply a gift from God. It's not what we sought after, it's not what we were intending and he sort of came in and worked it and there was some blessing that came about that. So I can't boast in my giving, I've faithfully tried to tithe over many many years but I can boast in this, you can never outgive God. Now we'll never be rich but I can tell you we have been blessed over and over again, over and over again. Yes, the key is our motive. If we give to receive back, I think we disqualify ourselves. I don't think there's any blessing. But God's nature is that as we give generously to others, he blesses us back. This Service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Giving is a significant and important part of our worship. How much we give? we're going to talk about that at the later. But I can assure you that when we give generously, it is a significant part of our worship to God. And one of the reasons that it is, is because the Bible instructs us to give to God first. And that's a significant principle, because what it means is you decide in your heart what you're going to give, and you give it, and then you live your life and you use your resources with what's left. It's giving priority to God. But sometimes what we can do is we can think about all that's happening and all our needs and what's going on, and then, oh, is there anything left? Maybe I'll give that to God. So when you give first to God, it's a huge step of faith. (laughs) You are saying, God, you are worthy of my best and I give to you first. I acknowledge and worship you in that way and I am prepared to make my resources with what's left. It's a powerful expression of faith. The other reason giving of our time and our money and our talents is worship is it's saying an important thing. God, you bring all that I need, not things or stuff. In other words, it's saying, God, as I invest in you, as I invest in your ways, I'm saying you are enough. I give to you first. I acknowledge you. You are enough. It's, a, it's a, a sincere act of worship when we give. It's saying, God, I can trust you that the joy of giving is greater than the pleasure that I seek in using my money selfishly. God, I trust you that the joy of giving is greater than holding on to my time and my talents for my purposes rather than for God's church. And God, I trust you that by giving generously, I will be set free from the slave to seek pleasure. Because when we are trying to seek pleasure, there is never enough. You'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough time. You'll never have enough new toys. You'll be constantly, constantly seeking after these things. And when you're able to give generously, you stop being a slave to your money or your time or your talents. And life suddenly becomes a lot easier (laughs) and far more pleasant. Verse 13 tells us that giving is also a part of our going as disciples. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise you for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. We are blessed as we give because our gift is an expression of the gospel of Christ. So Paul makes it very clear. He talks about the fact that Christian teachers are worthy of their wage. Uh, He talks about the way that um, we share in a partnership with missionaries. And and so what Paul is saying here, uh, and he has it firsthand, because the church at Philippi had supported him as a missionary for over a decade. And he was saying, the things that I have achieved, the things that we've been able to do, the things that God has been doing through me, you are a partner to that. And so going as a, gospel, as a disciple, sometimes by serving God with our time and our money and our talents, we enter into a partnership with everything that God's doing. So as people come to faith through various ministries, we're a partnership of that. We're a part of it. And so it's a part of our worship. It's a part of our going. It's a partnership of faith. Well, pros, you're probably getting to the point where you're waiting for me to say, "Well, how much do we give?" How much is enough? How can we have an understanding of what is expected of us? And I think it's important to understand, go back to the context here. He says, I don't want you to give out a compulsion. I want you to give freely uh, and willingly. But what he's really challenging him here is, look, you guys, you're the ones that stepped up and said, we want to give an offering. A- and you've come before God uh, and said that, just do it. <laughs> In other words, just keep your word. And I think that's the tone of this. This is not up to me to sort of talk about how much you should give in time or money or talents. But when you are with God and when you think about the needs of others, when you think about what he's done, when you think about being in partnership of the kingdom and the partnership of the gospel, when you come to a place where God speaks and you feel, yes, this is what I should do, just do it. (laughs) Don't hold off. Uh, have the faith to see it through and to understand those things. Uh, I think in over 20 years of being the pastor here I think I've spoken directly about money about five times. Uh, My general understanding is that uh, when people's hearts are soft to God through his grace how they live is determined uh, by that rather than directly. But I hope that you can appreciate or accept that in a very sincere way I want to say something I suppose that would what I have learnt or what I have experienced and that is tithing is a wonderful blessing rather than a burden. (laughs) Tithing or giving a tenth or something around that principle is a wonderful blessing. (laughs) I'm not trying to do a, a snatch and switch job here or but generally I... Genuinely, I can say I have found it to be a blessing rather than a burden. Tithing enables us to overcome the tension of how much we should give. So I generally find some rest in my soul and some peace about the idea that once I give to God first, as we've decided between God and me, uh, once I've done that, I am totally free to invest my resources after that. So I'm no longer a slave The tension disappears. It's just a way, I think, where God in his wisdom has given us some sort of guide to those things. I think the other thing I have found uh, about tithing is this, uh, that it's something that spreads over uh, to our time as well and to our resources. It's just not a money thing. And I think it's in proportion as tithing is. It talks about a percentage, and although it's a little harder when it comes to our time, but if we were to say, how much free time do I have after work and weekends? Do I have, what, 20 or 30 hours to myself? Some of you might say, if only. Some of you might have more, I don't know. But it's a fair sort of thing to look at. If I've got 20 or 30 hours to myself, would it be fair to invest two or three hours in the needs of others? So this whole principle of understanding, we decide it before God, but God gives us some sort of insight into what is acceptable. But it gives us great freedom to do what we like with the excess. I think once our basic needs are covered, I think how we know how what we do with the rest comes with an attitude check. Are we free to buy a new car? Are we free to go on a big holiday? Are we free to buy all the latest technology? Of course we are. If there's a sense where it's in proportion to what we give and serve and help others. While I'm going, I might as well just keep laying it out there and I can see (laughs) tension building. (laughs) Generous giving is giving when it's a sacrifice. Otherwise, it has little value, and we saw that in the little video. It has to hurt a little bit. But if you are living with excess, uh, then there's a sense where you proportionally think about values and think what's been done and the needs of others and all those things. If you have no excess, if it's really tight, if things are difficult and you're just managing to get by, then I want to encourage you, any gift at all is pleasing to God. So we're not locked into an amount, we're locked into an attitude of our heart. But when we have these moments, and they don't happen all that often, but when we have that moment where we are placed in a position to really consider our giving of our time or our money, whatever God's spirit is saying to you now, whatever comes to your mind, whatever God confirms is what he wants you to do and you agree, Paul would just say, just do it. It's not about the amount, it's about the attitude, it's about the commitment, it's about, it's about doing what we promise to do. And so when Paul spoke to those at Corinth, he understood the freedom that they would have if they were able to give generously to others. It has been my experience, and I think the experience of others, there is great freedom and great blessing in having a conversation with God, being open with Him, not justifying the decisions, but willing to give to Him first as it has been agreed, and then trusting Him for life for the rest. There'll be great blessing as we do that. Let's pray. Father God, it doesn't seem logical from a human perspective that we live a better life because we give things away but God everything about you and your kingdom is a little upside down it doesn't make human sense but God I do remember some 50 years later that if our heart's not right it doesn't matter what we have we're never going to enjoy it and you taught me a really important lesson back then that um, our time and our money and our talents are not our own just to do as we want we think that's the bestest life we think if we just do everything for ourselves and not share then we'll have the best life but in fact it's just the opposite <laughs> we actually become slaves to our money and slaves to our time we we're, we're working for them <laughs> and in your wisdom you set us free You laid down the example of giving us this indescribable gift in the one called Jesus. You asked us to consider the needs of others. And you said, look, if the heart is right, then I will bless you. You'll always have enough. You'll have freedom in your living to enjoy life. But the needs of people will be met. So I'm going to ask, would you make your response just as I need to? between you and God but whatever God says or speaks or you agree on or settle on whatever the language you want to use Paul would just say just honour that because when we give generously it's a wonderful gift of worship a wonderful gift that blesses us blesses others and blesses God